Hello, welcome back to the Scarborough Spotlight Podcast. My name is Ian, your host, and I hope you're really, really well. This week's show is all about St. Martin's Church up on the South Cliff of Scarborough. And from the outside, it looks like many other churches. However, the history of the building is an absolutely fascinating one, and the church itself is packed with incredible features, some of them that are quite significant and important including a lot of work by the Victorian designer William Morris and other pre-Raphaelite artists. This week's guest is Mike Bortoft, a retired teacher and a man very passionate about history. I've had the fortune to know Mike for a lot of years and I could listen to him talk about history all day. There's not much he doesn't know about the history of the Southcliffe area in general and of course St Martin's Church. So I really hope you enjoyed this episode. I made my way to St Martin's Church where Mike was busy doing a shift in the excellent cafe that they have there. And this is the conversation we had. So, Mike, we're sat here um, in this wonderful building. And as someone who's visited many times in the past, um, I didn't actually realise until quite recently the sheer amount of history and things of interest there are. Um, could you start by telling me just a little bit about the history of the church and maybe who built it and who designed it? Yeah, um, the church was opened in July 1863 um, and the architect was a man called George Frederick Bodley, quite a famous Victorian architect. Um, he designed the um, cathedral in Washington DC and he also designed the cathedral in Hobart and the current pulpit in Westminster Abbey. Um, in uh, uh, Scarborough alone, he designed St. Martin's Church, All Saints Church, the Church of St. Michael and All Angels, the uh, vicarage that goes with St. Martin's Church, and the original school that went with St. Martin's Church. Um, he uh, <coughs> became acquainted with the pre-Raphaelite artists in about 1858 um, in London, um, and uh, he said that the pre-Raphaelite movement fitted in very well with his own ideas of um, Anglo-Catholic revival, because basically this is an Anglo-Catholic church, and it's part of the uh, a result of, of a, a, a movement called the Oxford Movement, which developed in uh, after 1829. Uh, after Catholic emancipation and it was a group of clerics and intellectuals who wanted to reintroduce Catholic practice into the Church of England and so we get the rise of Anglo-Catholicism. Uh, so this is a very high church, not everybody's cup of tea and certainly not everybody's cup of tea in Scarborough because when it first opened it was very controversial. Um, in fact, they built um, a low church opposite um, two years later because uh, nobody in Scarborough seemed to like an Anglo-Catholic church dominating the South Cliff. Uh, Scarborough being a low church town in general. Um, nevertheless, uh, Bodley had um, employed um, uh, William Morris's company, which was founded around about 1860, uh, to decorate some of his early churches, the first one being St Michael and All Angels in Brighton, uh, the second one being um, All Saints in Stroud, and um, we were the third church that um, Bodley designed, which was decorated by um, William Morris's company. So if you come to the church, you'll see um, uh, most of the windows, 90% of the windows, are designed by uh, Morris's company. And so we've got <coughs> designs by Ford Maddox Brown, uh, Dante Gabriel Rossetti, uh, Byrne Jones, um, uh, Philip Morris, and, and uh, several other of the, of the artists. Um, the designs are not 
just the stained glass. The pulpit is um, uh, painted by a man called George Campfield, who worked for Morris, um, but to designs by William Morris and um, Ford Maddox Brown. The east wall is highly decorated, again to designs by uh, William Morris and uh, Burne Jones, but painted by George Campfield, although what you're looking at today is a 1970s restoration. Um, the windows uh, contain several of the artists, wives, lovers, um, uh, brothers and sisters. Um, so <coughs> particularly on the uh, south side of the church, there are three windows um, uh, containing uh, models uh, that the um, uh, pre-Raphaelites used. Uh, uh, Burne Jones' own wife appears, uh, as does his mistress, Maria Zambarco. Um, so does uh, uh, Lizzie Siddall, who married... Um, who married Rossetti in 1860 and died tragically in 1862. Um, and then the, the, the other interesting thing about some of the windows is the dedication. Um, the church was largely paid for by one lady called Mary Craven. Um, and the reason she largely paid for the church is that uh, when the, uh, they decided to build a church up the South Cliff, following its development for, since 1845, when the railway arrived, um, it, they found it very difficult to raise money. Um, who was going to pay for one, this church? The locals had plenty of churches in town, and uh, the visitors up the South Cliff, well, they got their own churches back home. So um, when the whole thing looked like it was going to fall apart, Mary Craven stepped in and said she would meet the shortfall. So it cost about £6,400 to build the church originally um, and in her lifetime she lavished over £10,000 on it so she continued to um, spend money on the church after it had first opened. Is Mary Craven the lady who's got her own seat at the front? Yes, uh, the seating of the church was quite controversial because um, in those days, in the 1860s, when the church opened, it was quite common for some of the pews to be rented out to uh, local families. Uh, this would um, provide an income for the church. But Mary Craven um, wanted the whole of, of the seats in the church to be free, uh, as did the first vicar, a man called Henning Parr. Well, this led to a bit of controversy and a bit of an argument with the um, uh, with 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 York. Uh, eventually, they got their own way. Uh, but there is one seat in the church that says Miss Mary Craven's seat, and that was the only seat that was um, actually reserved. Uh, otherwise, people could sit anywhere they like in the church. So, it was a controversial building. Why, why exactly was it built? Was it just because one or two people wanted it built? Is that right? Well, <clears throat> if you come to the South Cliff part of Scarborough in the 1840s, early 1840s, it was mostly pasture. There, was hard, there were very, very few buildings, only a few on, on the road out towards Filey. Um, but the arrival of the railway in Scarborough, connecting it with York in 1845 and Hull in 1846, um, led to a, a group of local businessmen, businessmen realising that there was a potential to develop the South Cliff uh, by building a large hotel, the uh, Crown Spa Hotel, which exists today, um, above the spa for, for wealthier um, visitors. Uh, Scarborough was already a popular um, spa town and... Um, uh, they realised that the railway was going to bring a, an influx of people who wanted to uh, take the spa waters. 
So this led to the original development of the South Cliff. <clears throat> so the, the Spa Crown Hotel opened in 1845, the same year as the railway arrived in Scarborough. By 1855, there were over 500 people living up the South Cliff, which expanded quite enormously in the, in the summer um, when <clears throat> with, with the visitors. Um, and they wanted a church. They, the only way they could get to church for if you were up the South Cliff was to cross the Spa Bridge and go to St Mary's Church. Uh, and um, evidently they thought that was a bit of a hike. Um, and so um, the, this committee was established to build a church up the South Cliff, but as I said, uh, they, they found it difficult to raise the money. Uh, but uh, eventually they did. Um, and, and the response to the building of St Martin's, as I've already mentioned, was the building of the uh, uh, low church opposite, the, opposite our church, uh, and their spire is higher than our tower. <laughs> You've mentioned quite a lot of the features already. Um, is there any features that you particularly like yourself personally? It's difficult to pick out pick out one. I'm very fond of the windows along the south side because of the stories behind them. Uh, and uh, if you look at the three main windows on the south side, um, uh, two of them have got dedications. Um, one of them says um, a tribute of respect and uh, uh, honour to um, tribute respect and sympathy to the Princess of Wales 1872 by Mary Craven. The other one says um, a thank offering for the recovery of the Prince of Wales 1872 by Mary Craven. Now, now the windows on the south side and two of them on the north side when the church first opened were just plain glass but between 1871 and 1873 Mary Craven paid for every window that was plain glass in the church to be replaced with William Morris stained glass. So if you come to the church in 1873 every single window was William Morris stained glass. It was only when the church was extended in 1879 um, at, the, the, at the West End to, to increase the capacity because the, the church on, only held 800 people and there, there were more than 800 turning up on a, on a Sunday morning. And so they extended the church to uh, put seating out at the back so it would be 1100. Uh, and, and they added uh, things like a, a narthex and a, a baptistry and a chapel of repose. Uh, and the windows in, in those um, areas are not William Morris. They're at Burleson and Grills because Morris was no longer working with um, Bodley um, uh, in the 1870s. Uh, the dedications that I, I referred to earlier ref, refer to the uh, visit of the Prince of Wales to Scarborough in 1871 where he supposedly caught typhoid and um, he, he was rushed down to Sandringham and um, it's quite a convoluted story. By Christmas Eve it looked like he was going to die. Queen Victoria was sat by his bedside uh, but he did make a recovery and by New Year look, he did get better um, uh, and in February 1872 he went um, to St Paul's Cathedral in an open carriage with uh, Queen Victoria to give thanks to God for his recovery and these events are um, registered in the windows in the church uh, by the dedications I've just previously mentioned. And we're sat here just sat on a pew facing the altar um, that itself is incredible could you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, well, the, uh, originally when the church first opened, several things um, that we're looking at 
now were, were not there. Um, for example, there, there is a screen called the rood screen, R-O-O-D, it's an Anglo-Saxon word for the cross. Um, so there's a screen um, before you go into up the two steps into the chancel with a, a huge cross on it, the rood, with Mary and John at the base of the cross. Um, and, and this wasn't there um, when the church first opened. Um, and it wasn't there for, for the simple reason that Mary Craven didn't want it. She said it would interfere with her view of the altar, which is true, it does. Uh, but uh, for Bodley, this was um, uh, much against his principles about build, building the medieval church, because basically because Martins is a, is a, a medieval-style church built in, Victoria, in the Victorian manner. Um, and for Bodley, not to have a rude screen there um, was, was just not fitting in with, with what, what he wanted. So it, it, ab above the rude screen is, is the chancel arch. And if we look at the top of the chancel arch, we can see he went up there himself and, and he painted a beam and a, a huge cross on the top in order to represent the, um, the cross that you see on the top of the rude screen. Uh, in the process of doing that, he nearly died. Um, because he was lighting the area with a gas flame and while he was painting away he, he wasn't concentrating on the gas flame and he, he caught his beard and hair on fire and in the process of trying to pull it out he nearly fell off the scaffolding that he directed in order to do this. We know this because a gentleman called the Reverend Mant wrote an early history of the church which he published in um, 1890 and that anecdote appears in that history. So that's one of the, the sort of human stories about the church. But the chancel is the most highly decorated part of the church. You find more angels in the chancel than anywhere else because the chancel represents heaven. Um, the screen represents death and the area we're, we're sitting in, the, the nave, uh, represents life on earth. So in order to get to heaven you have to die. So when you go through the screen technically you're dying and going into heaven. But it's all symbolic. Thankfully, at the moment. Um, so, if people are interested in coming to, to visit this amazing church, they can do, can't they? And you yourself and some other people do tours. Yes, there are uh, regular tours throughout the year, every Tuesday and Thursday at 11am, uh, a free guided tour. Uh, there are four guides, so if you come and you get a different guide each time, you'll get a similar story but different uh, aspects of it, because uh, we all do it in our own way. Um, so and that, that uh, takes place from the beginning of February until the end of November, so there's no tours in December or January. Uh, but they're, they're frequently well attended, but you don't have to book, you can just turn up. Although we do take bookings from uh, large groups, um, we, we, Y3As and that sort of thing. Um, that, uh, 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 and we sometimes get a bus loaded, but uh, normally you don't have to book. And there's actually a website about the um, church, isn't there? Yeah, there is. It's www.friendsofstmartins.co.uk, all lowercase. And um, uh, if you want to explore the windows and uh, the decoration of the church, then you can do all of that from the comfort of your own home room. And if people do come and visit, there's actually a pretty good cafe, isn't there? And I've heard there's a pretty good chef who, who cooks in the cafe. <laughs> well, uh, there's a very good cafe. Um, <laughs> I'm not too sure about the chef. But, um, yeah, there's a, the cafe's called Beggar's Belief, largely because of the story of uh, St Martin, who uh, divided his cloak and gave half to a beggar. Um, 
Uh, and that, that's reflected in, in a window, unfortunately, which is now in the kitchen, uh, but by Ford Maddox Brown, so it's not so easy for the public to see. Um, but uh, yeah, the, the, the Beggars Believe Cafe is open six days a week from 11 a.m. till 4 p.m. Uh, it's quite popular, particularly at lunchtime, but uh, yeah, if you want, you can book. Um, uh, but if you, you know, want to come along, we'd be pleased to see you. Thank you very much to Mike for his time and in fact to everyone at St Martin's Church for being so welcoming and allowing me to record inside the building. As ever, I'll put a link to the website where you can find out about the history of the church online, but I would absolutely recommend making the trip along and joining Mike on one of those tours of the church in person because it is genuinely fascinating and you will see all kinds of amazing detail and learn so much about a big part of the history of Southcliffe. And whilst you're there, go and check out the Beggars Believe Cafe too. It really is great. You will not be disappointed with that one. Thank you so much for listening again. And and please, please remember to share the podcast with anyone you think will enjoy it. And I will be back really soon with another podcast. (music)